Cybersecurity oversight and an increased focus on anti-money laundering enforcement are expected to be key focal areas for U.S. banks in 2016. Cyber attacks waged by nation-state actors and terrorist groups are likely to increase, and banking institutions are key targets. Here, Walter Mix, a former commissioner of the California Department of Financial Institutions, who now leads the financial services practice at consultancy Berkeley Research Group, discusses why 2016 is going to be a complex and dynamic year for cybersecurity change in the U.S. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Walter, let's open up by talking about how recent events on the global stage are expected to impact the U.S. financial services market in the next year. For one, I'd like for you to talk about how the terrorist attacks in Paris are expected to impact the U.S.'s take on the Bank Secrecy Act, as well as AML. And we now know that terrorist funding is a growing concern, not just because of the attacks that we saw in Paris, but other attacks that we've seen in other markets. What increased regulatory scrutiny should banks be bracing for in 2016? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me to this interview today. This topic that is cybersecurity is the highest priority in my experience among bank regulatory agencies here in the United States, and I would also say overseas. Therefore, it will receive very, very uh, high focus, not just in 2016, but likely in the years to come. This is highlighted in the FFIEC assessment tool that was provided recently. It attempts to educate banks regarding the criteria it will use in connection with assessing the sufficiency of the cybersecurity program at a financial institution. Just to give you a couple of highlights there, the board of directors needs to be engaged. The executive team needs to be keenly aware of cyber issues. The program itself needs to be completely integrated into the enterprise risk management system. And lastly, uh, one of the key hallmarks will be the extent to which technology is centralized at a financial institution and can work on a predictive basis to issue alerts to management as it runs the institution. I expect that all of these, much like keeping a symphony running in harmony, will be expected of a financial institution next year and, as I say, in years beyond. So what, what about the Bank Secrecy Act, for instance? Obviously, BSA compliance is something the banking institutions have had to be concerned about for a long time, but how do you see some of the recent acts of terrorism that we've seen on the global stage impacting compliance in the U.S.? Picture a scenario where, much like uh, some of the recent incidents that have been in the press, global actors intervene into the U.S. banking system and essentially steal identification, steal uh, private information, and then use that information for terrorist funding, for money laundering, for other types of illegal activities. It's that confluence of these activities that is greatly concerning to bankers, obviously, because they're on the front line, but also, of course, to prosecutors and to the bank regulatory entities themselves. I mentioned, Walter, that we wanted to talk about some of the emerging trends that we're going to see for 2016. So beyond terrorist attacks, what about emerging technologies such as mobile payments and cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin? How would you see these non-traditional payments instruments impacting BSA and AML? 
two points to address relating to Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Um, as you may know, there is great uncertainty relative to Bitcoin and how it would actually operate in the marketplace. There's been one uh, state agency that has sought to create a license relative to Bitcoin, but it's my understanding that the regulatory scheme that would govern how cyber, or I should say uh, Bitcoin would work, uh, is still an emerging issue. Thus, there's a great deal of uncertainty surrounding how Bitcoin will truly impact things like cybersecurity and money laundering. Just to give you one example here on my second point, you may be aware that it's highly concerning for the regulators that uh, they've discovered many instances where in the case of trade finance, overseas actors have laundered money through payments that relate to global shipments of goods and services. And they do this by layering in small amounts of dollars which are in turn laundered through that payment system. I think the hallmark to keep in mind here again is that this is all occurring on a global basis in a very porous system that isn't governed by a single global regulatory entity. This in turn makes cooperation and coordination of paramount importance. I would also add, you may be aware that there are two GTOs now being operated in the Miami, Florida area. This is an effort by the federal government to obtain information relative to money laundering and use big data on an offsite basis to analyze transactions and the flows of money that banks wouldn't individually see by themselves. So this is also a very important development. Again, it makes banks' own capabilities relative to cyber and BSA AML all the more important, and I believe it will lead to a very dramatic increase in regulatory expectations and oversight over the coming years. And Walter, do you think that some of this movement that the government is making to help secure some of these Bitcoin transactions would also have an impact on other emerging payments instruments, such as mobile payments that we see? Absolutely. I think just in talking with bankers, as I do, I travel around the United States and overseas talking with regulators and bankers on a continuous basis. I like to joke that I actually see what's happening below the waterline, so to speak. One of the great concerns is the mobile payment system. And in that regard, I'd like to use a quote often used by Winston Churchill, which is the notion of a soft underbelly. And that is the bad actors out there on the global market will seek to find the soft underbelly in a financial institution on an individual basis and certainly within the financial system as a whole. So Walter, you've touched on this a bit, but we can expand here, if you don't mind, just talking about the topic of cybersecurity. Cybersecurity, of course, touches on AML as well as other security and fraud-related areas. What expectations do you have for increased regulatory focus and oversight on cybersecurity generally in 2016? Well, it's back to the FFIEC guidance where, as I mentioned, uh, 
the board of directors needs to be highly engaged. The executive management team needs to be well-informed and properly manage any cyber issues at the institution. And we need to see that predictive technology approach where threats are identified and alerts are sent. I think the real challenge is how to put all of this together on a global basis. When I was a regulator, I spent a great deal of my time coordinating our efforts, not just on a U.S. nationwide basis, but also with other regulators in foreign countries. I think that is going to be one of the great challenges, but by the same token, I would expect a high degree of cooperation due to the commonality of interests among nations that have international banking systems. So let's expand on that a bit, Walter, and talk about financial services specifically here when it comes to cybersecurity. How has the Chase breach impacted regulators and the U.S. government's take on banking institutions' current states of cybersecurity? Well, these breaches that occurred were, of course, historic in nature and really were a wake-up call to bankers, regulators, and prosecutors alike. It shows just how easily institutions can be accessed. And as I'm sure you know, the bad actors operate on a global basis and many times gain entry into an institution and operate much like a sleeper cell in the terrorist world where they can go live at any time and steal the information and sell it on a global basis. I think this has been a real wake-up call for the system as a whole and will really require that bankers up their game. So as I mentioned in the introduction, you served as commissioner of the California Department of Financial Institutions before joining Berkeley Research Group. Walter, tell us a bit about your role at the DFI and how that experience has given you insight into some of these foreshadowed issues and changes. Sure. Well, I worked on the first identity theft legislation to be enacted in the country that was here in California in the 1990s. Back then, there was a lot of mystery surrounding cybersecurity and, in fact, internet issues alone. So fast forward quite a few years to the point where I think there is a great deal of information publicly available on this issue. And what needs to happen is this issue needs to move up the priority list, in my opinion, to the very, very top of the list. Think about a global coordinated attack, just as an example, on the U.S. payment system, not just on a few banks. And that is an issue of great concern to, again, the industry and regulators alike. Again, I feel this will take a lot of educational work, it will take leadership at the highest levels, and it will take cooperation and coordination as regulators have done over many years. Examples, of course, would be when interstate banking and branching legislation was enacted, the creation of capital requirements using the Basel Committee. So there are a number of different ways that proper coordination can be implemented. Walter, what do you anticipate to be among the top AML and cybersecurity issues U.S. banks will face in 2016? Well, number one is going to be properly implementing the FFIEC tool and guidance, which I explained previously. I think the other issue is going to be the fact that terrorism and cybersecurity and BSA AML are all closely connected and will be a very, very high priority of the government 
and the regulatory agencies themselves. So in that regard, I think it behooves every board and management team to get up to speed quickly on these issues and to properly design and implement programs relating to cyber and anti-money laundering. I would also say there's a very important litigation issue here, and that is if an institution has failed to properly design and implement a cyber or BSA AML program, that is that it has failed to observe the proper standards of care that result from the regulatory requirements. Litigation can result and in many cases very significant penalties can be exacted against financial institutions. So I would say don't be penny wise and pound foolish because the litigation cost and the cost to remediate an improperly designed and implemented system of internal controls can lead to exponentially higher costs down the road. Walter, can you speak briefly about the Carter Act, which earlier this month was passed by the House Judiciary Committee? The act would make it easier for law enforcement to prosecute foreign criminals who trade and or sell Americans' stolen payment card data. How critical is this legislation and how likely are we to see it become law in 2016? I think the legislation is critically important, particularly at this juncture where we've recently experienced some extraordinarily unfortunate terrorist acts. And I would add parenthetically, we're still, I'm sure, discovering how some of these terrorist acts were paid for and how the funds were moved around. The issue in the Carter Act is extraterritoriality, that is, the ability of the U.S. government and its regulatory agencies to locate and to prosecute those who are acting illegally overseas. Just as one example, a uh, criminal acting in a foreign country who steals information and then uses it in connection with terrorism or in connection with money laundering or other illegal acts. In terms of the likelihood of the legislation passing this year, continuing with my optimistic view, I would say there is a reasonable possibility that the legislation could be enacted this year, even though it is, of course, a presidential election year. In that regard, many times I've found that a president and congressional leaders will want to rally around an important issue such as cybersecurity, anti-terrorism, anti-money laundering, I think the chances that the legislation would pass would increase to the extent that the legislation is not included in a very large omnibus legislation or bill. Walter, I've asked you to focus on the impact emerging regulatory oversight and possible legislation could have on U.S. banks. But as we all know, the global economy is becoming increasingly connected. How will emerging regulatory pressures on U.S. banks impact the global market? I think the emerging regulatory pressures here do create headwinds, both on U.S. banks that operate overseas and foreign-based financial institutions that operate here in the United States. As many people may be aware, Dodd-Frank created a completely new supervisory system for foreign banks 
that operates in the United States. Many of these institutions are at a strategic inflection point where they're determining how much capital they'll allocate to the United States and its market in connection with the regulatory burdens here, which include many components such as new intermediate holding companies, obviously BSA, AML, and other requirements. With respect to coordination and cooperation on a global basis, the implementation of these Dodd-Frank requirements has been something of a challenge between U.S. regulators and home country regulators of foreign banks. So I do see headwinds in 2016 and succeeding years due to these increased regulatory burdens. I appreciate it, Walter. Thank you again for your time. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from Walter Mix of the Berkeley Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.